Should I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. Abortion clinic. Oh, <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> uh, that's a little too harsh. <laughs> uh, do we want to go there? No, I don't think we want to go there. No, 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 no. How about let's not. live live from any place else? This is the award-winning step show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number three hundred and fifty-six. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Albert. This is Jim. This is Don. And today we're just going to do a half an hour of knock knock jokes. Yes. How does that sound? <laughs> Why? You are desperate, aren't you? <laughs> Why? Well, okay. Actually, we do have a couple of topics. Uh, the first one, why don't, uh, since this is related to Mark, why don't you introduce it? Right. Well, yeah, buying stamps uh, as is. Um, there, was a, uh, there was a recent auction, and I bought a stamp, which is purportedly a number 46, a special uh, printing. Um, but it was sold as is. And it was says in the description it was rebacked, which probably means that um, that it's a uh, that it's a perforated proof. But I took a chance on it anyway because I have money to burn. And, uh, <laughs> That's so, one of us. So how much money did, did you burn? I, I burned three hundred forty dollars of my children's inheritance. And what and what did this what does the Scott catalog of the stamp? Uh, the Scott catalog value is three thousand dollars. So um, about ten percent. Right, yeah, but uh, there was only like 418 printed, so the odds of this being real are probably low, but I thought, what the heck. Well, and this is uh, one of the things that we were discussing is it was sold as is. Right. As is what? You can't return it for any reason whatsoever? Yeah, that, that's, that's what I believe as is to, to mean, and I'm sure that's what the auctioneer meant. I... Uh, I I, I agree with you from a legal standpoint. However, let's take an example. Uh, U.S. number two. And it says, possibly has a removed cancel. Sold as is. Okay? All right. So you're selling you it as get it. You get it. And it's a photocopy of a stamp. <laughs> you bought it as is. Right. But is it returnable? I would think in that case it would be because it's not a stamp; it's a photocopy. It, well, it, it's you bought it as a U.S. number two as is. 
and it's not a U.S. number two. It's a photocopy. Yeah, so I don't know. I would say that the auction company screwed up on that one. But wonder, wonder right, if it's... But did you screw up by buying it? Yeah, but... Well, definitely you screwed up Well, you up definitely buying. did, but... <laughs> I mean, are you buying the sight unseen? Because if it was a photocopy, you'd probably figure that out pretty quickly. Right, but you didn't see it beforehand. You bought it online. This is an online auction that you purchased yeah, it. At. I mean, you see a picture of the stamp, mm-hmm. but that's that's all you see in any any online auction. A copy of, of what supposedly is being sold as real. Have you contacted the auctioneer? So my question no, is... I have not yet. I haven't received the stamp yet. So you, you bought it as a number 38 as is. Uh, bought it as a number 46. I'm sorry, 46 right. as is. Right. Oh, which, by the way, is the 30 cent special printing perf uh, 11? Is it perf 11? Uh, 12, I think. Perf 12. It's either perf 12 or perf 11, but the normal stamp is perf 15, so it stands out like a sore thumb. It's got way bigger perfs. Um, So the question is if it's a shaved proof, then it's not a number, uh, it's not a 30 cent special printing. It's a manufactured item. Right. So my question is, if it's rebacked, you were warned. Right. It's in the description. But they described it as a certain Scott catalog number. If it's not that Scott catalog number, does that support or void the as-is condition on it? Right. Well, that's what I was going to say is have you talked to him yet because... I would, my my personal feeling is is, it's as is, per the defect that they're talking about. They didn't say it was rebacked. They said possibly rebacked, right? Right. So as is rebacked versus as is a number forty six. Right. And if it's not a number forty six, then it, that's false advertising in my book. It's advertised as a thirty eight. Now, if it, if it had said possibly a number. Possibly a 46 or a shaved proof or something like that, then you probably would have no leg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they had said, um, we don't know what the hell this stamp is, but it looks like a number 38, it's possibly rebacked, have a ball being sold as is, then I'd say, up, oh, you're up. Mm-hmm. But if it's a rebacked, but they're saying selling it as a number 38, then I have a bit of a problem with the as-is part if it's a shaved proof. Yeah, it's a different number. Yeah. So uh, I'm kind of curious there. Um, In all the many auctions I've gone to over 50 years, um, as-is is is short for for a longer term, which basically means whatever you see is what, what you see is what you get. There are a lot of times you go to an auto auction and they'll say it's as is. Mm-hmm. In fact, they'll say the whole sale is as is. Yes. In other words, you can't, you can't, um, he's going to have a hard time returning it, because, well, even if it was a photocopy. Hold on, though. In the law, and all I can speak about is California because that's the as is law for cars in California is for cars in California. It does not apply, and there was a case on it. It doesn't apply to cell phones. Cell phone that was sold as is turned out to be not a cell phone. The person got their money back, even though it was sold as is. So comparing it to cars is different because cars have a different legal standing 
in the as-is community in California. Again, I only know one uh, one state. Um, somebody in Wyoming is going to give me a dirty email now saying, well, in Wyoming, blah, blah, blah. So I apologize to uh, Wyoming, uh, even though it doesn't exist. Nobody has ever been there. There's no proof that it actually exists. But um, they say that they have laws there. Uh, see, my thing is, in a lot of auctions, if the lot has more than 10 stamps in it, it's sold as is. However, I also know lots of lots that were returned, even though they had more than 10 stamps, because there were certain things that were described which weren't actually there. And one of them was, and I won't mention the name because, uh, but it was a major auction house. Um, it was a collection of Japan. It included Manchuko and Korea. And it described a couple of the stamps that were in it. And the stamps that were in it were actually auction pictures. They weren't actual stamps. And they were high-value items in the collection. And so the person purchased it and said, hey, you described these items were in this collection, and they're not. They're actually pictures of those items. And it was returned because even though it was sold as is, it was sold as is subject to the description. Yeah. That's what I would think is what does the description say? And then what does as is mean versus that description? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Plus the other thing is it was, Mark, you bought it from a major auction house, right? Well, uh, an auction house that's on Stamp Auction Network. So uh, yeah. they have a vested interest in, you know, not being douchebags about it. Right. Am I allowed to say that on a podcast? I'm curious what Mr. Drogi, who runs Stamp Auction Network, would say about the term as is. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't look up rules. You, you haven't seen the item, so you haven't made a determination. Right, yet. right. Yes, he could be very happy, or it could be very sad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you dip in, all of a sudden it's a number thirty-eight, and it's not rebacked. It's, it's not just a, got a little thin a along an edge or something. Yeah, yeah. A straight out forty-six. It's perfect. You know that you bought for ten percent of catalog. You scored. Right. So the second thing is, and this happened at the last Las Vegas stamp show, and this is a how do people tell dealers what they have in order to sell it sort of thing. You know, we get calls all the time, you know, I have stamps, will you buy them? And we say, yes, you know, send me pictures or something. And, you know, 95 times out of 100, it's some kid's um, Boy Scout collection that is worth $5. You know, that it, it, it doesn't have any real significant value. But this one was interesting because I had never seen this occur before. And uh, this, this came from uh, Bruce K., who we just saw at lunch today. And uh, by the way, uh, South Point lunch at 1130 uh, at the buffet. Lots of stamp collectors show up. Come on down. Anyway, uh, a friend or acquaintance of his had a stamp collection, and he, he said, 
take it to the stamp show and show people. And I had a booth at the stamp show, but she went to Dick Kaiser, who was opposite me. And basically, she had like four stamps. She said the collection was too big to come, uh, to bring in, so I'm just brought in a sample of it. And she brought in four stamps, and they all happened to be used stamps from the Liberty series, which, you know, four stamps is worth about what four cents. You know, they were yeah, used. If that. Yeah, if that. If you can get a nickel for them, you know, you've, you've got more than they're worth. And she showed them, and everybody said, well, why didn't you bring in, like, a book or something? You know, you brought in four stamps, and you're not a stamp collector. You knew nothing what to pull out. I mean, if she had pulled out, you know, three Zeps and a U.S. number two right. and said, here. You know, this is the sort of stuff I have. Everybody always said, I want to see that collection. But instead, she pulled out four stamps from the 1950s that uh, everybody goes, well, what am I going to do? I, I have no clue. So uh, she said that it was there was too much, and she didn't want to carry it, so she just brought four stamps. And now let's make pretend that this guy did have a fantastic collection. And she just pulled out those four stamps randomly, leaving all the, uh, you know, the mint never hinged U.S. number one collection that he had. And, uh, you know, he has actually $100,000 in stamps and you did this. And so now the collection sits because nobody's willing to go out there. Um, that's one of the stories that I had. Uh, everybody here at the table, well, actually, has everybody here at the table been offered collections from novices or people who don't know stamp collecting? Sure. You know, tell us some of your stories. Well, people will, will say that, um, that they have a collection of stamps that they've been keeping in a storage shed. And here in Las Vegas, storage sheds... Uh, run up to about 120, 130 degrees inside. And so you got to wonder about the condition of the collection, you know, after it's been in a storage shed for years. Um, even if it's a nice collection, you know, that's that's a real worry. Yep. Yeah, I, I had a friend that said, oh, I've got a collection that my grandfather left me and so forth. And I said, oh, I'd like to take a look at it. And so I went over and looked at it, and it was a very nice collection. I mean, this was, you know, the kind of thing that um, dealer would be interested in buying because it was a, a collection in a nice album, and things had been uh, uh, mounted in hingeless fashion and so forth. Um, and that's, I, I found it very odd <laughs> to see a collection like that that he really didn't know what he had, and yet it was a very nice collection. And so I, I kind of gave him some advice. I don't know if he ever parted with that collection or not, <laughs> but I, I would have made an offer on it simply because it was a very good collection. It's sometimes much easier to do business when you don't know the person. Yeah. You can just treat, you can just treat them in a business-like manner and just say, 
I'm willing to pay this for it. I think it's worth this for it. its retail price is this, and I'm going to offer you somewhere around a third to a half of the value, and, or less, or more, depending on what you what you think of it. But um, sometimes when you're friends with somebody, it's actually very difficult to do business. Well, I think in terms of me buying it, it would have been that it's easy to do what you just said, though. You know, you add up the catalog value and figure you're going to get about a third at the most out for it from a dealer. Maybe a little more if you auctioned it. I think that's good advice. But it depends on the condition of the... As, as Jim Forty, our friend, used to always say, you know, how do you how is this collection housed? Yeah. yeah. How is it mounted? Well, that's Lloyd, who... Hasn't been on the podcast for... Oh, Lloyd says that too? Well, they must be communicating. Actually, so Lloyd will answer the phone sometimes here at PSE. And the first thing he asks is, what type of book is it in? Yeah. And when they say, well, it's not in a book, it's just in a shoebox, he says, you, you probably have nothing. Because that's not how collectors collect stamps. Yeah. And uh, other times, you know, they say, well, it's a book. And you say, okay, describe the book. And when a person has a specialty album, and this happened, a person said, uh, I have it. It's a Japanese collection. It's in a specialized Japan collection. All of a sudden, it's like, okay, you have something. Yeah. The person spent 40 bucks on the book. Right. You know, he's got stamps in it. So, but we, we get, eh, I'd say... Uh, Average of a call every other day of people who have stamps who want to know what they're worth. Yeah, sometimes at lunch your phone will start pinging yep. like crazy. What's happening at that point? Oh. <laughs> well, I give people my uh, text number, and I say, send me some pictures. And they go, well, there's a lot of stamps. I go, well, texts are free. You know, Send as many as you want. And so they'll sit there, and one person sent me 104 pictures. <laughs> you know, usually they don't spend, send that many, but and usually you can get a very good feeling with you know ten pictures. Uh, but the hundred and four pictures, I mean, they took pictures of individual stamps, and again, it was like you know the person had twenty stamps from the Liberty series that you know maybe they're worth a penny, and he sent me twenty pictures of these twenty stamps, and I just said you know it's it's a Boy Scout collection from the nineteen seventies. And, uh, you know, it's not worth much. And then he wrote back and said, this didn't come from a Boy Scout. This came from my father. And it's like, whatever. You know? <laughs> it's like, fine. When he was a Boy Scout. And then, <laughs> and then, well, that was one. I had a discussion the other day with a person. And uh, I'm not going to get too much into it because this is a story which I can absolutely do an entire podcast on. Um but he was arguing with me that he had checked the stamps. And I was looking at the stamp because I had it in my hand. I go, I know for a fact you didn't check the stamp. No, for a fact. And I said, you know, you're lying to me now. Don't do that. You know, there's no reason for you to be doing this. And he goes, well, I didn't. And then he made up a different story. It's like, we know what's going on. <laughs> you know, we, when you send us cheap stamps, we recognize them as cheap stamps. We know what cheap stamps look like because they're common. The reason it's cheap is because there's a bunch of them. Now, if you say, I have this really rare stamp, a number 64, or, you know, that is on laid paper, 
one of those dropped in. You know, we had a laid paper stamp. And it's like, well, I've never seen one of these before. Let's go ahead and check it out. But if you say, you know, I have a three-cent stamp from 1964, you go, I've seen literally thousands of those. I know how much they're worth. So, Albert, and this is... I don't know if people contact you with collections. You know, I, I, get, I run into them from time to time. Somebody knows me from something else, and they ask me what, it, what something's worth. Most of the time, it's very... I, I ask a, a very direct question. I said, do you know if the collector spent any real money building this collection? Most of the answers normally no. Yeah. Or they don't, or they don't know. And that's that's a bad sign. If and if you're dealing with the collector who built it, you can ask that you can ask that that question, and they'll say, well, the most I spent is is bought buying it at the post office. That also will tell you that it's not really something that's very valuable. Well, that that's another thing. Again, I'm quoting Lloyd a lot because he answers the phones a lot, and he'll say, well, was I inherited a collection? And he goes, well, was the person rich? They said, no. Was the stamp collection in his will? No. Well, if he didn't think it was of any value, he didn't put it in the will, and he didn't have much money to spend on it, it's probably, you know, that's pretty good proof of what you got. And uh, (laughs) that's one of the stories that one of the worst sibling rivalries civil uh, sibling strifes or whatever you want to call it uh a sister hated their brother because the father had a c3a in his collection the inverted jenny stamp and the rest of the collection was worth like 25 dollars, but he had a c3a in there and the brother stole it and, you know, I talked to her and I said, you know, you, you need to find a better reason to hate your brother because there is zero chance, literally zero. It's not like maybe he had it, you know, it's a rare thing, you know, people win the lottery. No, no, no. He had zero chance of having a C3A in his collection. Your brother didn't steal it. Find another reason to hate your brother. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we... We get lots of phone calls. Jim Forty gets lots of phone calls. I mean, the honestly, the I think we've been here at PSE for what? A long time. A long time. Three things have come through the front door that I've purchased. Uh, one I bought for three hundred dollars. It was a bunch of covers. Actually, two. Th- uh, then. The other one, the box that came in that had, uh, it ended up having, uh, what was it? Um, Jim, you bought the box from me. Yeah, it ended up having the um, correspondence from uh, scientists who worked at Los Alamos and out at the Nevada test site on the bombs. Yeah. So it was pretty interesting correspondence. You You wouldn't know it unless you opened up the letters. Right. The letters themselves, if you looked at the covers, they were all very common. You're talking about the, um, you know, the three cent prexy. Yeah, stuff like that was on the envelopes. So yeah, and, and I bought it for fifty dollars, and I sold it to you for fifty dollars plus lunch, I right. believe. Something <laughs> like that. Yeah. And I and I've had fifty dollars worth of 
fun going through it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, then I bought a bunch of covers. Then a person who knew what they had, Chinese uh, PRC collection, came in, and I I ended up giving her, I think, about 60% of catalog for it. And then the uh, global collection that actually didn't walk in the door, but it was a you know a phone call that me and Mark went out and looked mm-hmm. at, which ended Plus up... Plus gold foil stamps. Oh, we see lots of gold foil stamps. Yeah. Well, you know, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. So we have people who do come in and just, like, drop stuff off and say, here. And they say, well, do you want a donation letter? You know, you can write it off in your taxes. And they go, uh, nah, just take it. It's like, okay. So, you know, we, we did that. We got a very good... Uh, Reference collection of Japanese stamps. Not from the person I was talking to about before, but lots and lots of fakes and lots and lots of uh, um, periodicals and books on d- uh, identifying the fakes. And it was a really, really great thing to donate to the reference library. Which, by the way, if anybody out there listening has anything they want to donate... We take it. Um, we do not take magazines. We take generally soft cover books and hardcover books because we're a research library. But if you have anything that you want to send in and get a tax deduction, we are a nonprofit who can give you a tax deduction on your donation. So remember last week you mentioned about a, a, a collector who is going to donate a Yucatan Affair book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's Patricia H. Yeah. She wrote us a letter and uh, put the. Japanese Americans in World War II stamp on it. So, anything else? Any other great stories about finding things or having collections walk in or locating things? I think we should talk about the um, cash that we helped Jim Forty move that he bought. Yeah, he had at the show at the oh, recent stamp show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had boxes upon boxes of stuff. I helped him with some other people move these boxes out of a house, and basically, when he called me for help, he he says, "I've already removed everything that's of philatelic value. Now I've got all these boxes of leftover postal stationery and." Uh, Envelope, unused envelopes mm-hmm. and things like that, and I'm going to sell them at the stamp show. So we boxed, we put them all in his car. It took, you know, all his trunk, mm-hmm. and he has one of those hatchback type trunks. So we filled it up pretty full, and then he sold those anywhere from what five dollars to a hundred dollars, depending on what was in them. I bought what turned out to be five boxes of envelopes mm-hmm. for eighty dollars. Yeah, And the reason I bought them is because I go through envelopes because I sell stuff on eBay and have to ship it. A box of envelopes is about $45. I got five boxes for $80 and part of the postage. One box of it has postage on it. Yeah, (laughs) it it was like 20 20 cent plus postage between 20 and 29 cent postage. So that box must have another $100 in face on it. I'm going to use all these envelopes and uh, then the ones that have the first day cancels because the uh, postal rate is going up to 60 cents. I can use four 15 cent stamps and cover up the first day cancel. 
so I can still use those envelopes. Yeah, and, and uh, I bought a box um, from him for uh, $10, got digging around in it at all this uh, unused postal stationery and found four or five uh, commercial covers, and I sold one at the show for $30. Well, so I made $20 on that box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you never know what you're going to find in, in stuff like that that's just, you know, it, it doesn't look like it's much, but every once in a while you find a little treasure. Well, I found two treasures in those boxes. And again, they weren't marked or anything. It was just boxes of st- envelopes. Yeah. And I mean, and they were all legal size envelopes too. That's the reason I got it. It's because I, I needed legal size envelopes. Um, there were, there was one where it was a postal stationery envelope that was doubled. It was double folded. Mm-hmm. And so the outside paper had the indicia on it. And the one inside then had the embossing, but it didn't have any ink, so it was an albino. And mm. I've seen plenty of albinos. But this one was cool because it showed how this albino was made. Yeah. And then the second one was a uh, six-cent um, airmail postal stationery envelope, except that the six-cent was on the inside of the envelope. They, they re- folded the envelope backwards so that the... Six cents was inside the envelope, not on the outside. It's the revalued one. Uh, no, it was the one with the orange one with the airplane on it. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, those two items, you know, I found. I, you know, are they worth a hundred dollars each or five dollars each? Who knows? But you know, I bought it for the envelopes. Yeah, yeah they're mostly worth it because of it being such a curiosity. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you can't tell from the outside, like on the six cent airmail, you can't tell from the outside of the envelope what it is. You have to actually handle it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's hard to put into an album and say, you know, look how cool this is. <laughs> yeah, know. this thing that you can't see is right. why this is so mm-hmm. cool. So you just got to carry it around with you. <laughs> but anyway, so he he was harvesting something out of nothing, basically, because yeah. he was selling these. He'd already got the stuff he had bid on, or, or you know made the deal on, and then this was just the, the. I guess for a better word would be junk boxes, but. Um, he found value in them, and we did too. Well, he had, and I took a picture and I posted it on Twitter. By the way, anybody who's on Twitter, uh, it's Stamp Show here today. Um, please follow Stamp Show here today because Stamp Show HT, which is the Twitter from, oh God, 11 years ago, something like that, you know, a long, long time ago that nobody posts on. And like I said last time, it has 1,400 followers and nobody's posting on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so come over to Stamp Show here today, please. Uh, but, I took some pictures and I posted it because he had two boxes of phone cards. Right. And those phone cards had to have been thousands of dollars. And he wanted, what, 30 bucks for both boxes? Something like that, yeah. And he said, if I don't sell them, I'm throwing them in the trash. And they didn't sell, so I'm kind of curious whether he actually threw them in the trash. <laughs> and I have no doubt that he probably did. <laughs> but, 
you know, thousands of dollars worth of phone cards, which, you know, if you're walking down the road and you come to a phone booth. They're valuable. They're valuable because then you can make a free phone call. When was the last time you saw a phone booth? <laughs> in the movies. Yeah. At the National Postal Museum oh. in Washington, D.C., in the downstairs area, they actually have a phone. They actually have a pay phone there. I was amazed to see it. Wow, we should have right, sent it right, to right, the- right next right next to the the the, uh, the post office that's actually in the museum that uh, that's uh, that operates. We should have mailed them the uh, phone cards, and they could have set it beside the post <laughs> the phone booth, and anybody who wanted to make a phone call could uh, make a free phone call, basically. But yeah, and I called them the uh, the NFTs of 1970. <laughs> which, if you don't know what an NFT is, listen to the past podcasts. Um, well, we're seeing what is what is Bitcoin down to now? Yeah, uh, I haven't checked today, 18, but eighteen and a half thousand or something. Oh, is that today? I don't know. I haven't seen it. It was anyway. it was fleeting right around twenty thousand on Friday. And uh, it was at 70,000 in October. I mean, basically a very, very big, I'm going to call it a correction, not a crash, because I want to be nice to the people because I know that there's some listeners who are um, cryptocurrency collectors, although I don't know if you can actually collect cryptos. But, uh, you know, there is... You should have spent your money on stamps. Stamps are going up. Bitcoin is going down. I think that uh, that should, tells a lot. And it's also something I'm going to write about in uh, an article for a magazine. Is speculative investments versus uh, collectible investments. Because we all invest because we all want to get money back for our stamps. Uh, that's an investment. It's a store of value. And a lot of people don't like, you know, using the word investment. But if you're not investing in stamps, then don't spend more than $10 for one. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> if you're spending, if you spend $300 for a U.S. number one, which is what I saw some going for, uh, you're not going to spend $300 for a U.S. number one unless there's some possibility that you get your money back. So, uh, yeah. NFTs, Bitcoin, are good indicators of what's going on in the market, and auctions and inflation are good indicators of what's going on in the stamp market. Anything else? Have we had a, have we had a half an hour yet? Oh yeah, and we haven't told a single knock knock joke. Okay, here's a knock knock joke. Knock knock. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah.
Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.